Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's Daily Podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready & Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. Hello, everyone. My name is Rebecca Chen. I'm with Ready & Newman, and I'll be doing the call today. Um, Shruti, can you start our first question? Uh, sure. Kajal? Uh, hi, I'm sorry. So uh, I have a question like regarding, uh, currently I am on a STEM OPT and uh-huh. it is until February 2024. And uh, Yeah, I see you put your question in the, in the Google sheet, right? Yeah. Okay. So you're terminated already by the company that... Um, you got selected in the lottery with? Yes, like last, yesterday. Okay. Has the company told you whether or when they are going to withdraw the H-1B approval? Uh, They haven't mentioned anything like that. Okay. If possible, um, I would talk to them and ask if they would be willing to wait until October 1st to send in the withdrawal notice to USCIS for the H-1B. Because if they wait until October to send in the withdrawal notice, then technically your H-1B still gets activated. So first of all, was it approved as a change of status? Do you know with the I-94? Yes, it was change of status. Okay. Um, Yeah. If they wait until October to withdraw it, then it does go into effect on October 1st. Even if you are not working for them, that's fine. It's kind of like the 60 day grace period would apply to you. So um, even if you're not working for that company, as long as the H-1B goes into effect, you would be able to have your H-1B transferred um, to a different company. As long as that new company files the H-1B transfer application within 60 days by you know the end of November. Oh, okay. um, that would be the best case scenario that would allow you to keep the H-1B selection if the company is not willing to do that and they withdraw your um, H-1B prior to October 1st, it is a much more difficult situation because technically you would not be considered counted in the cap. It also is damaging to your F-1 STEM OPT because you probably, even though your EAD is valid until February, the fact that your H-1B got approved usually means that your service record got terminated. So you're no longer an OPT either. So it makes a huge difference if the company withdraws the H-1B before or after um, October 1st. So I would definitely try to contact them, ask if they can wait until October to withdraw the H-1B. From their side, there's no difference. Um, They are not doing anything illegal by waiting until October. Um, So if they say that, you know, we're supposed to withdraw the H-1B if the employee is no longer working for us, 
That's correct, but the H-1B is not in effect yet. There's not really any, there's no legal requirement that they withdraw it right now. They're, they are perfectly legal if they send in the withdrawal notice on October 1st. There's no obligation to them to pay you anything or employ you according to the LCA. Um, but it will help you a lot because then you'll keep your selection and be able to do an H-1B transfer. Oh, okay. But do they have to like withdraw it if I'm not with them? They do have to withdraw it eventually. Well, technically they don't need to. If they want to leave the door open for you to come back and work for them, they can keep the H-1B approved. But usually it's recommended that if the company does not intend to employ you, it's usually recommended that the company withdraw the H-1B eventually. So if they are settled on withdrawing it, then it will help you personally a lot um, immigration-wise if they wait until October to send in the withdrawal notice. Okay, and also like, uh, uh, will it matter because I don't have like a pay, pay sleep after October 1st, so will it matter? That's fine. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. As long as, like I said, the transfer is filed by the end of November because then the 60-day grace period will cover you. Okay. okay. Thank you. All right. Sure. Abhishek, Abhishek. Okay, I can see Abhishek's question here. His question as far as the Google Sheet, it says if he can work for two different clients under the same H-1B employer without LCA issues. So if you are working in the same physical location, so if there's no physical change in your work location from what's listed on the LCA, then yes, you can work for multiple clients for the same H-1B employer from the same location without the need of an H-1B amendment. The only um, exception to that rule is if you will be traveling and applying for a visa stamp from a U.S. consulate, even though USCIS doesn't require the H-1B amendment, it might be recommended to amend the H-1B anyway for purposes of the visa appointment at the consulate because the consulate they don't require an amendment for a work location change either, but they prefer to have all the information about the new project in the most recent approved application. Um, so if you're not traveling or applying for a visa stamp, then no H-1B amendment is needed. Okay, yeah, th th thank you, Mincy. Yeah, I don't have any plans to travel, but uh, um, other question um, related to that is like, how do I get uh, uh, paid for my second project? Your H-1B employer just pays you. You're the same, they have like the same payroll that you're already on. Okay, I mean, that doesn't warrant an uh, amendment because we have to give to give you a little more detail. I mean, say for example, mm -hmm. if I if I get uh, like four grand additional from, from the second project for temporarily, so does that warrant an amendment? It, so not for work location purposes, if your salary is going to significantly increase above what's on the LCA, then potentially, but if there's no, if it's not considered a material change, like if it doesn't move you into the next LCA wage level, and if there's no material change to your job duties, if you're doing essentially the same work for this other client, then um, I would say an amendment probably is not needed. It will probably depend on the company reviewing your salary change with their attorney to determine whether it's considered significant enough to need an LCA, um, an H-1B amendment. 
Okay. When you say like material change, it is under the same MSA and same job duties and this the, even the second project is remote. So uh, is there anything else that, uh, that I'm missing? Salary. Like I said, if there is a significant change in your salary, that might require an H-1B amendment. Yeah, okay. Got it. Thank you. Sure. Uh, hi, Rebecca. I have posted my hi. question. Like, does a, uh, I want to change the status from H1 to H4 and H4 EAD. Uh, so, does a change of status is having a premium processing? Not on its own. So, if you're filing for the H4 and EAD applications on their own, there is not a premium processing option right now. Um, however, UCIS has said that if an H-1B application is being filed in premium processing and along with it, an H-4 and EAD application are being submitted at the same time, then USCIS will premium process all three of those applications if they are filed together. Okay. And H-1B is in premium. Uh, okay. Okay. What is the wait time? For, I mean, like, what is the time taken for the H-1 and H-4? I mean, like H-4 EAD processing if time? To regular... In regular processing for the H-4 and EAD filed alone, it will probably take about six months, possibly a little six. longer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Likita? Likita? Yes. Uh, hi. So hi. I'm actually working on my OPT right now, but mm -hmm. uh, I'm just wondering if it's safe enough to travel to India on OPT or should I wait until get until I get my H1? Um, is your, did you get selected in the H1B lottery or is there um, an H1 application in process for you right now? No, I have to try again next year. Okay. So there's hasn't been an H1B application filed or approved for you yet? Yes, I did file, but I wasn't picked. Okay. Um, yeah, in that case, that should be fine to travel briefly to India for vacation and come back um, on F1. You just need to be prepared to explain. So when you're coming back into the country on an F1 visa, the officers at the border are automatically going to assume that you're coming in as a student because they just see the F1. Um, so if they ask why you're coming in and you say to work, you might get more questions. Um, so just be, have your EAD with you also, have your I-20s that show your OPT endorsement um, and you know, be prepared to say that you're, try not to say that I'm coming here to work because then they're going to look for an H-1B visa or something like that. Um, you should say that you're coming in to complete your training as your postgraduate training um, as an F-1 visa holder. Okay. Um, also be careful that, um, if you are going to remain employed by that company, like if they're not counting you as unemployed during that time, then it's fine to go for a brief vacation. However, depending on the company, if they basically consider you not employed during the time that you're not there working, make sure that you're not going to go over the limit for unemployment time while you're in OPT because time spent outside the US can count towards your unemployment limit, which is for the three years of OPT and STEM OPT, it's 150 days total that you can be unemployed. Okay, sounds good. Awesome, thank you so much. Sure. Lavanya? 
Yeah, hi Rebecca. So hi. I have posted my question. Uh-huh. Um okay, so the 60 days is not over yet, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, if you have the option of changing to or you're probably looking for jobs to see if you can do an H1B transfer, but if it doesn't look like that will be possible, um, you know, close to the end of the 60 days and you have the H4 option, then yeah, that would be advisable to file the I-539 to change your status to H4. It will be pending for a long time. Like I said, it can take about six months on its okay. own, H4. And during those six months, if you do receive an offer for a mm -hmm. job, from someone who's willing to file the H-1B, what USCIS said that they will do now, so this is kind of a newer policy that just started this year. Um, it used to be that while your H-4 was pending, you couldn't file the H-1B change of status. Like USCIS okay. used to require that the H-4 be approved and then file the H-1B. They have said that they will, um, if you file the H-1B now, while the H-4 is pending, UCIS will process both at the same time. Okay. So it is easier to do that now. So go ahead and file the H-4 to cover yourself after the 60 days in mm -hmm. case you can't do a transfer. And then if you do find a new job, the new company can file the H-1B change of status. You just need to provide them the H-4, the I-539 receipt notice to show okay. that you do have a change of status pending. Okay. Okay. So immediately, I uh, so once I go into once I applied for H four, I can if I get any offer, I can immediately uh, apply for H one also, right? Uh, yes, the... but you can't start working again until the H one B application is approved. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Rebecca. Sure. Avinash. Yeah, hi. Uh, my my question is uh, same. Uh, I think it has asked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I just also have uh, add on to that one. So just in case my employer revokes uh, H one, how long I, I have to stay? Uh, I can stay here. It is pretty tricky. Like if your employer has already sent in the H one B withdrawal or sends it in before October first. I would probably check with your DSO at your school to see if there is any way that they can get your service record reinstated. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, the, the problem with that withdrawal before October 1st is that um, it eliminates the H1 and it's very difficult to go back to OPT because in the service record, they think you're on H1B status. Okay. The service record doesn't know that the H1B was withdrawn. If you have a copy of the H-1B withdrawal, if the company is willing to provide it to you and you bring it to the school DSO, sometimes from what I've heard, the DSOs have been able to reinstate the student back in SEVIS. And if that's the case, then you can continue your OPT until you know the original 2024 date. Yeah. Um, it's from what we've heard of people working with DSOs in that situation though, it's not always possible. Um, so if they're not able to do that, you might have to depart the U.S. as soon as possible. I would say definitely don't stay more than six months. Um, and then most people in that situation, basically, in, in order to come back, they have to apply for a new I-20 from a new school, start a new program. 
Okay. Basically, to go to. So, uh, I have an option to go on dependent for for H4. So okay. Uh, if if that's possible, how long I should wait uh, to do that? Just in case I don't lose the H1, if possible, and then go for H4. Yeah. Let's see. I would try to. Has the company confirmed whether they sent in the H1B no. withdrawal? No, not 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 it actually. I'll try to get it, but I don't have any confirmation. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you're not able to get confirmation from them, or if they reply and say that they already sent it in, I would definitely um, apply for the I five three nine as soon as possible, probably before October. It okay. is a bit difficult because it it depends a lot on the H one B withdrawal and the timing that. Um, dictates a lot of the, you know, the amount of time that you have to even apply for an H4 change of status. If it's unclear, I would probably go ahead and just file the I-539 as soon as possible to change to H4. Okay. Uh, th thank you. Uh, that's it. Sure. Richard? Richard? Okay, it looks like Richard's question was about the September 2023 visa bulletin and when it takes effect. So it takes effect September 1st. So um, the visa bulletin for each month is always released the pre the month previous, a couple weeks before. So September's visa bulletin was released, um, you know, about a week ago. And so they usually publish the next month's visa bulletin early, but it doesn't actually take effect until the first day of that month. So oh, for this uh, month, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you for the information. Sure. Varghese, Varghese. Uh, okay, it looks like Varghese's question from the Google Sheet is um, that he's on an L1A, I assume, as like a people manager and um, wants to do the L1A extension and wants to know in the extension, can he be positioned as a functional manager? Yes, that is possible. Um, it's possible, but you'll need to, um, or your company will need to kind of lay out the argument that you qualify as a functional manager. If basically you no longer have um, a big enough team reporting to you to be considered a, a resource manager, um, then they'll need to make the argument that you qualify as a functional manager and there are kind of four criteria for that and they have to go through and show those criteria. Um, but yeah, that's, if they're successful in that, then the extension can definitely be filed that way. Um, let's see, the next question. Wahid. Hi. Uh, Hi. Good afternoon. I did post my question. Okay. So I'm currently in India with my dependents. And before we left US, uh, we had uh, initiated our H-1B extension process. Um, and I, okay. went for the, I went for the visa drop box. Uh, with my I-797, which was expiring on September wow. 2nd, 2023, because I was hopeful that I would get the new approval, yeah. which mm -hmm. I didn't get on time. So I got the visa stamped on my passport, which is which is valid till September 2nd, 2023. And I'm traveling back on 28 August, uh, basically four days uh, before 
the visa is expiring. Okay. So my question is, is there any issue for myself and my dependents? I did see that 539 will be expired and all those things or rejected. But right now, uh, I do see the status that everything is approved. My wife's EAD, 539 and my H1B, everything is approved. So okay. just, yes. Yeah. But I am. I won't be carrying the physical. I think I by the time twenty eight, I should get a copy of my I seven nine, the latest I seven nine, which is okay. valid till twenty twenty six. Right. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, yes. Technically, that is that plan is fine. So your family also got the H four visas valid until September twenty twenty three. Correct. Okay. Yes. Make sure you all come back like enter the US before September 2nd. But as long as you are coming in before September 2nd, you can use those visas in your passport. And then, um, yeah, I, if possible have the, or I would definitely recommend having the printout of the, of your H-1B um, extended approval notice, the one valid until 2026 and present that to the officer. So your visa stamp will have September 2023. The I-797 approval notice that you show them should say, actually you should, you can have both, the September 2023 valid H-1B approval and also the most recent September 2026 H-1B approval. Provide both of those to the officer and they should give everyone the electronic I-94 valid until September 2026. Um, also have your marriage certificate and the children's birth certificates. Got it. Thank you. Well, just one final question is, do I have to have the original of my I-797, the latest I-797 or the copy is fine? No, the copy is fine. Um, so yeah, that has been the policy with CBP for a few years now. We have heard here and there um, some officers saying that the original is required, but it's very rare and it seems like it's just officers that have, are mistaken um for the most part a printout of the original is fine so if your so company much. can email it to you and then you print it out yeah i got the i got the soft copy of that yeah okay thank you very much Tijin. uh hello rebecca good, uh, good afternoon uh my question is like i have 35 days more left in my grace period like my grace, grace period already started on the 20, uh, 22nd of july uh, uh -huh. so uh you know uh, the 60 days grace period so i have like 35 days left in my grace period uh so i wanted to know like you know by when should i you know apply for my h4 to be in the on the safer side and not risk anything yeah um i mean the main requirement is just that the i539 receipt notice needs to have a receipt date that is before the 60 day cutoff okay um as long as you feel like you can file it safely um you know within that time period to have the receipt notice with that date um that should be fine kind of your how close or how long you want to wait to file will depend a bit on whether like how your job search is going um yeah. if you feel like you're pretty close to an offer with a company that would be willing to do the h1b transfer you may want to give it a couple more weeks to see if they are able to do that um because mm -hmm. then it will save you from filing in H4 and paying the filing fees unnecessarily. Um, if it doesn't seem like, you know, the H1B transfer will get done, I would say by day 45 or 50, it may be a good idea to go ahead and start the um, H4 
process. Another thing to um, think about in the timing is whether you're filing the I-539 on your own online, or if you're going to file through an attorney. If you file through an attorney, an attorney can only file the paper application on your behalf. Um, we're not able to file online for clients. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're going to be filing on your own, one advantage of that is that you can file online and get the receipt notice the same day electronically in your My UCIS account. So it's kind of a faster confirmation of the receipt mm -hmm. notice. Um, if you're going to be filing by paper on your own or through an attorney, I would probably start the process earlier because you want to give as much time to get the receipt notice, um, which will only be sent through the mail. It won't be sent electronically or in a MyUCIS account. It will only arrive by snail mail. Hmm. So you may want to start that process earlier if you'll be filing by paper or with an attorney. Understood. So how complex is this process of applying by ourselves to I-539 online? Like how, how complex is that process? It's not too difficult. I mean, it's online because they, you know, the applications that they put online are meant to be the ones that are more user-friendly. Um, so just make sure you're going to the official USCIS.gov website mm -hmm. for the I-539 I application. And um, there's a button that says file online and it kind of just walks you through that. One thing that you might see when you go on there, for some reason, there is a glitch or something in the system that um, from the drop down for the question that says, what is your current status? There's a drop down menu. You can't just type it in yourself. And that drop down for some reason does not list H1B. It lists oh. H1B1. And so our recommendation has usually been that if you're in H1B status, just select H1B1 because that's the closest option there. And um, you'll need to upload a copy of your H-1B approval notice and recent pay stubs anyway. So UCIs will be able to see anyway from the approval notice that you're in H-1B status. So it won't affect anything, but um, that's just one thing to keep in mind. We don't know why the system doesn't Understood. have one, one last question. So can the H-4 and the EAD be applied together or they have to be like, no, uh, oh, one after right. the other? Yeah, that's another thing. If you file online, you can't file the H-4 and EAD together. You would need to file the I-539 on its own and then the I-765 separately. So how about if you're doing that along, you know, with an attorney, is, is it possible to do it together? Yes. Yeah. If you're filing by paper, the two applications can be sent in the same package. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, the, you said the wait is around six months, right? So that six months wait is only for the H-4 or the H-4 and the EAD together to be six months? Together. You, if they're filed okay. together, USCIS will usually approve them together or within okay. like about a week of each other. Okay, perfect. That's that's all. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for the answers. Sure. Sushmita? Hi. Um, I have an I-140 approved with my current employer. And uh, I recently requested them uh, to um, file for a H-1B amendment for moving to a remote. I mean, working as a remote permanently. And okay. uh, I had a question if something had to be done with my approved I-140 or with my perm, it's the same employer. By okay. Way. Okay. And your employer has not changed offices or headquarters from the time that your perm was done? Yeah, it's the same address, like my uh, address on my uh, I-140 and the current, uh, I am currently on site, so the same address. 
I will be becoming a remote employee in next two weeks or so for which the process has, has kickstarted. Okay. Um, yeah. So if your remote work location is going to be outside the MSA, um, then the company would need to do an H-1B amendment. For the I-140 and PERM though, um, if the company's office location is not changing, then technically that does not need to be amended. The I-140 doesn't need to be updated due to your remote work location on, as long as the company is willing to say that they're still offering you the position at their office. So it depends a lot on the work location that they listed in the original PERM application. Um, if that work location still exists as an office um, that your company operates, and as long as the company still says that we're willing for her to come back and work there, and if you are willing to go back and work there as needed, that is fine. Because the I-140 is for a future green card position. It doesn't necessarily need to be what you're doing right now. The H-1B is for right now. So that's why it does need to be amended. Um, but yeah. It's about, uh, so currently when they are uh, going to file my uh, LCA for the H-1B amendment, the address on the LCA posting is my remote location. It's not mm -hmm. two addresses. Basically there is no uh, office location. Like that's the, fine. That's which is different yeah. than what is on my approved I-140. Right. So, yeah, like I said, as long as the company, it, it doesn't, so that work location doesn't need to be on your current H-1B LCA, as long as the company for green card purposes is still willing to say, for example, if your party date becomes current and they need to sign an I-485J supplement, um, that basically confirms the job offer they have for you, as long as they're willing in that J supplement to say that we are still offering the position at this original work location, then that's fine. They don't need to do an I-140 amendment or a new perm. If the okay. company is not willing to say that for some reason, then yes, technically they would need to go through the perm process in the new MSA that your remote work location is. And then if you move, they'll need to do the perm process again from there. So generally companies are willing, it, like I said, temporarily, if you're working elsewhere, it's just the H-1B that needs to be amended. But if the company still has that office location and is willing to still offer you the position at that location, okay. you're, you know, in the future, then that's fine for I-140 okay. purposes. Um, another question I had was um, now that they uh, the H&B amendment is uh, applied in a couple of days or something, and mm -hmm. I was not planning on doing anything with the premium processing on it. So a regular H&B amendment approval is going to take a certain time period, right? Yeah, and for H&B amendment, um, it doesn't need to be approved in order to authorize you to work from the new location. It just needs to be filed. So okay. premium processing isn't really as necessary okay. for H-1B amendment. If you prefer a faster decision, you can do premium, but it's not really necessary. And what happens if my H-1B amendment is in process and let's just say I decide to like change my firm or, you know, go with a different employer and if they want to do a H-1 transfer, will they be able to do a H-1 transfer considering that I only have this thing in process with my 
Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. It, as long as the underlying H-1B, basically the the previous application for your previous work location, as long as that I-94 is not expired, then you can do an H-1B transfer even if the amendment is pending. Okay, so so um, there's no like a clash because, hey, you have an H-1B amendment in process with no. this particular employer and you are asking for an H-1B transfer with a new employer. No, that's fine. Like I said, the only thing UCS will look at is whether you were still in status with a valid I-94 at the time the H-1B transfer was filed. Okay. And uh, I sorry to take some more time, but just one last question was, if my H-1B amendment is in process and let's just say something happens to my employment, um, what happens? Will my existing H-1B, uh, I have an existing H-1B, which is still 2025. And now they're doing this H-1B amendment. And let's just say something happens with my uh, existing employment. Yeah, I would say in that situation, the 60 day grace period would still apply to you. Okay, sounds good. Perfect. Thank you so much. Sure. Um, I can take one more question. Shilpa? Thank you. So I have just uh, this question that what if my employer withdraws my H1B, right? In that case, uh, do I, again, I have to go through a lottery? Yes, potentially. Yeah. So it sounds like this is unfortunately happening to a number of people. Um, yeah. If your H-1B was selected and it's already approved um, and you're being terminated by your um, employer. So it depends a lot on when the withdrawal is sent in by the company. If the H-1B withdrawal is sent in prior to October 1st, then um you're not considered counted in the lottery and you would need to go through a brand new lottery and be selected again in order for another H-1B to be filed for you in the future. If the company is willing to wait until October to send in the H-1B withdrawal, then that means the H-1B does actually go into effect, even if you're not working for that company. If the H-1B approval notice has the I-94 attachment at the bottom, if it was approved as a change of status, then um, if it's still valid on October 1st, then your status does change to H-1B even for a single day. And that can that makes you considered counted against the cap. And you have the 60 day grace period at that point to have an H-1B transfer filed to a different company and you don't need to go through the lottery again. So it depends a lot on, on when the H-1B withdrawal is sent in by the company. So I would definitely talk to the company if you can and see if you can negotiate if they haven't sent in the withdrawal yet um uh, try to negotiate with them to for them to wait on sending in the withdrawal until october okay um okay. so so just just one uh, just one extension to that suppose if i switch over to student visa and i finish my phd i can file for directly for a green card in that case um so not necessarily. Well, it depends a lot on your qualifications. So if you're thinking of the EB1A or the NIW, um, those are the self-petition green card options that usually require a higher standard of qualification by the applicant, such as a PhD. But a PhD on its own doesn't necessarily mean you'll get an approval in one of those categories. It can help, um, but you would probably need a separate consultation to review the other criteria for those categories and see if you qualify 
Um, even then, um, applying for those directly doesn't get you the green card. You would still need to wait for the priority date to become current if your country of birth is India, which even an EB1 can take a while at the moment. Okay, um, we'll need to close the conference here for today. Um, if we weren't able to get to your question, um, our next conference will be Monday at the same time, 3.30 central time. Um, or if you have a more in-depth question that you would like to discuss one-on-one -on -one with an attorney, um, the chat has our link to our appointments page where you can view our availability and schedule a consultation. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites, rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.